And as you're finding your seat there, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Just by way of reminder, we're in our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And we find ourselves now in chapter 6, in just a moment, verses 16 through 18. Now we're coming off what is my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. I love the simplicity of Thanksgiving. I love the, the meaning of it, focusing on giving gratitude to God. And I love the feasting. And you know that feasting is biblical. The Bible's full of these festival and feasts like Passover, like Pentecost. There's even one called the, the Feast of Booths. We like that one where you get to eat. <laughs> but no, we love these things. And as children of God, we have much to celebrate, don't we? I mean, we could go all day talking about the things for which we are grateful. Our forgiveness, isn't that huge? Our reconciliation with God. We were once enemies of God, but through Jesus Christ, we've been brought near and in relationship with God himself. We have his spirit indwelling us as believers. We have his unfailing word. You're holding in your hands God's word without error. What a gift. And we have an eternal home with God because of what Jesus did for us. And so today, we're going to move from this feasting that we did on Thursday, and if you're like me, and every day since. But now we're going to talk about fasting. Now, I didn't plan it this way. I have caught the humor of this, that we've just been gorging ourselves, and I think an appropriate feast. But now, as it comes to the next text that we have here, it's about fasting. Now, God's Word tells us there's a place for both. There's a time for feasting. And there's a time for fasting. And I hope today as we hear this topic on fasting that you'll start to see it as, as, as much a source of delight in your life as feasting. That you'll see that when I'm fasting, I'm hungering for God and he satisfies me in some ways like no other area of my life. And I hope you'll begin to delight in this. Now, of course, feasting comes more naturally to us. When you and I were babies, the way God designed us, we cried when we got hungry, didn't we? And the only reason we're here today is because our mothers heard our cries and fed us over and over and over again. Now we've gotten bigger and we can carry our hungry selves to the pantry to eat or to the refrigerator to eat. So we're taking care of it. But our bodies, they demand food from us, don't they? In fact, if we don't feed our bodies soon enough, what happens? Our body starts to make a racket. Stomach start to growl. It might even happen during this message as I talk about food here and it's okay. But we're going to learn today that we have a greater need than food in our lives. And we're going to look at this biblical practice of fasting and the important role it should play in our lives, even as believers. So this is Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. Jesus, he says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they may be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So fasting now comes up. Now remember the context of this part of our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. He's telling us to watch out for showing off. You remember back in verse one of chapter six, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. And Jesus has been then giving examples of how we're not to try to live to impress other people. Remember he told us when you give to the poor, 
Don't do that in such a way that people will notice you and think you're wonderful. Just give to the poor privately. Same thing with his teaching on prayer. When you pray, don't look to be out in public on the street corner that you might be noticed and applauded by men. And then Jesus gave us that great teaching on prayer. But in the same way now, he brings up this additional example. When you fast, don't do that to try to impress other people. Now, what is fasting? Fasting is to abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. This is biblical fasting, to abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. And spiritual purpose is key here. This is more than when you have to go in for a medical test and they make you fast. This is more than you feel a little guilty about all you ate over Thanksgiving and the days following and you feel like, oh, I'm gonna have to fast. I gotta just stop eating for a while. And this is certainly not biblically a practice where you're just trying to be harsh with yourself. You're just trying to punish your body for some reason. That's not biblical fasting. So we'll talk about the purposes, even how to do it in a moment. But first of all, let's talk about the expectation of fasting. There is a biblical expectation that you and I as Christians will fast. Notice Jesus' words here. He did not say, if you fast or when some strange few fast. He doesn't say that. He says, whenever you fast, verse 16. Verse 17, when you fast. It's the same wording Jesus used earlier when he says, when you give to the poor. He's assuming you're gonna do it. Or when you pray, not, not if you pray, when you pray. Same wording here, when you fast. Here's how you're gonna do it. Here's how you should not do it. Now, most of us grew up not hearing much at all about fasting. We heard a lot in our churches about fellowship meals, rightly so, it's part of church. Heard a lot about chicken, love it. <laughs> Heard a lot about casseroles, but not much about fasting. Donald Whitney in his book on spiritual discipline said this, fasting is the most feared and misunderstood of all the spiritual disciplines. He went on to say this, and I, this is funny. For some Christians, fasting for spiritual purposes is as unthinkable as walking barefoot across a fire pit or handling poisonous snakes in order to prove their devotion. So why is it that we talk so little about fasting? Well, part of the answer is this text right here. So those who fast biblically have read this passage and they know they're not to talk about it. They're not to brag about it, not to draw attention to themselves. So part of the reason why you don't hear about it much, those who fast in our congregation aren't telling other people in the congregation that they're fasting. The other reason we don't talk about it quite so much is because it's not commanded at prescribed times in the new covenant. So there's not like, well, every December we are called to a fast. The Bible says so. So we don't have texts like that. So you'll hear us talk about fasting when we come to it in passages like this. Perhaps in your life group, when you're studying different passages in your life group, you'll come upon it from time to time. When you see it, take note of it. It's there in your Bible. And certainly, because all of us as disciples are to be praying and reading the Bible ourselves daily, you're bumping into it several times a year in your reading as you see these biblical examples of it. But since it's not so common to us, let's just remind ourselves that fasting is indeed biblical. This is a biblical thing. So we see it in the Old Testament, certainly. We see it in men like Moses, Samson, Samuel, people like Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Daniel, and others. So a, a who's who of the Old Testament, we find them on occasions fasting. But what about the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, we see it early as well. We see it in Anna. We see it in John the Baptist and his disciples. They practice fasting. But then notably, we see fasting in the life of Jesus. 
And we see it in people like Paul and also in the early churches. Jesus told us that we would be fasting in this time. So, so John the Baptist's disciples were curious. They fasted, he and his disciples fasted, the Pharisees fasted. They have a question, Jesus, we don't notice you and your disciples fasting. And Jesus tells us when our fasting is gonna happen. This is Matthew 9, 14 and 15. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus said his disciples will fast and we live in that era. Jesus has ascended to heaven. We're awaiting his return. And this is the era where Jesus said, this is when my disciples will indeed fast. And Christians through the centuries have indeed fasted. You read about men like Luther, men like Wesley, who fasted and, and many, many, many others. In fact, I read this week about Wesley. He would not even ordain a man into ministry unless that man fasted twice a week, every Wednesday, every Friday. That's, that's impressive. That's a little more strict than the Bible is. I don't think we need to go there, but that's just how seriously some Christians before us have regarded fasting. We, we know that we don't have those prescribed times when we must fast, but we're listening to the Spirit of God. We're looking at situations. Is this a time when I need to fast and pray? So again, we'll talk more about that. But first of all, notice there is an expectation of fasting for believers. But now notice this, and this is the central point of what Jesus has, a warning against fasting for show. There's the expectation, of course you're gonna fast, but when you do it, don't be like a hypocrite. So fasting is good, but there's a motive that can spoil it, and it's that motive of pride that Jesus keeps addressing here. Hear it again, this is verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, when you fast, don't show off about it. When you fast, don't do it in any way to try to impress people around you. Rather, wash your face, wash your hair, put a genuine smile on your face. In other words, look like it's a normal day when you're fasting so that nobody is gonna come around and applaud you for it. In fact, the way Jesus describes it, it's both sickening and humorous, isn't it? I mean, listen to how he describes these hypocrites. He's talking about the Pharisees. By, by the way, the Pharisees did fast twice a week as part of their custom. They just forgot why they did it. They lost all the meaning of it. But Jesus says here, the hypocrites, they put on a gloomy face. How embarrassing. The New American Standard says the next part of this, they, they neglect their appearance. The English Standard Version says they disfigure their faces. So can you picture that? So, so they're, they're fasting. They want people to know it. I wonder what that face looked like. Oh, I just, what's wrong? What's wrong? Well, yeah, since you asked, I'm fasting today. And, and with the hope that, wow, aren't you impressive? This might be like us. Maybe we have a little injury and people don't seem to notice. And we think, I, I, I kind of want a little sympathy here. So maybe, maybe it's a little leg, you tweaked your leg and maybe you kind of ramp up the limping, make it a little more demonstrative. Oh, Jim, you all right? Oh, oh, what? Oh yeah, it's a little, a little something. I'll, I'll soldier through. It's okay. Hey, thanks for asking. You know. But this is what they were doing with fasting. How embarrassing is that? So let's, if we want to give ourselves one exception, when might I whine about my fasting? Let's go to the medical. The next time you have a colonoscopy and they, they tell you to do all that prep that's so unpleasant and you have to fast, tell people about it. 
Pray for me. I, I've got to fast for the doctor. That's, that's legit. But when it comes to fasting spiritually, a whole different approach. We're not to be bragging about that. Now, now let's talk about what is the purpose of fasting? Why in the world would I ever deprive myself of food that I need and that I want? Well, first of all, notice this. Jesus says, if you fast biblically for the right reasons, with the right motives, God will reward you. So clearly God likes it. There's a biblical purpose for it. Again, notice verse 17. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret, catch it, will reward you. So what then is the point of fasting? Fasting is a way of expressing your desperation before God. Not only that, fasting is a way is it of expressing your desperation for God. You're saying to God, God, I must have you. God, I, I need your help and I must have it. It's a way of saying, Lord, I need you and want you more than food. I want you more than anything. Lord, I'm, I'm praying and I wanna draw near to you with greater intensity as I fast today and as I pray. Lord, I'm breaking out of my rut. I'm breaking out of this routine that I might have more time with you. So when might a Christian pray? Five that I'll give you quickly at times when you might pray. You could add to this list, but first of all, we see biblical examples when people fasted and prayed in times of distress. So be thinking about when there's something going on, you say, this is alarming, this is distressing. God might prompt you to add fasting to your praying. Here's an example. David, when his firstborn child through Bathsheba was quite ill and dying. This is 2 Samuel 12, 15 and following. We read this. David therefore inquired of God for the child. Here it is. And David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. He was distressed for his child. Or 2 Samuel 1.12, the people of Israel fasted when King Saul and Jonathan were killed. It says the people mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the people of the Lord in the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. Or King Jehoshaphat called a national fast when they were under the threat of attack. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So you can fast and pray over the condition of maybe the nation. So you, you look at the nation, you look at the spiritual condition of what's going on and, and certainly more than posting about it. And in addition to the praying you're doing about it, you can say, Lord, this is, I'm so, I'm so alarmed. I am so grieved. I'm so concerned for my neighbors. I'm so concerned for the youth of the nation. I'm going to fast and pray, Lord, for, for a breakthrough here. You could do this for your family. Maybe you look at your family and think, we're not doing well. We're not doing well. The world is winning in our family, and I, and I, I need to pray about this. It's got to be front burner prayer, but I, I know that I'm so distressed for the condition of my family, maybe for my kids or for my spouse, that I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time, not going to broadcast, not going to tell everybody, but I'm going to pull aside. I'm going to fast and pray in desperation to God to, for a breakthrough in my family. Or maybe, maybe you're a young person and you're distressed for your friend group. They have no love for God. 
They love the world. They're just like the world. No heart for God. What, what am I going to do? I'm going to pray for them. But God, I'm so distressed. I'm going to fast and pray for them. I'm going to follow this biblical example. I, I must see you move, God. I, I'm just coming to you in distress for my friends. So when might we fast? When God prompts us to in times of distress, but also in times of personal distress. Sometimes you're distressed for not just what's happening out there, but you look at your own heart and think, I'm, I'm concerned about what's going on in here. This is a time in my life when I have fasted, where I've been alarmed by the condition of my own soul. And you, you say, this is a little bit of a warning sign. The temptations out there are starting to be more tempting than they have been. And that gets to be alarming. So I, I know what we're going to do here. We're going to pray about that for sure. But maybe this is a time, Lord, I think it's a time to fast and pray for my own heart, that my heart will stay warm and true to you. And here's what I found through the years that by fasting and prayer, it's a great way of subduing my own flesh. It's a great way of reestablishing who's in charge over this body. So are the appetites in my life going to rule me or is Jesus going to rule me in a day of fasting and prayer can reset that? You ever seen somebody who trains dogs and they know what they're doing with dog training? So, so anybody who, who cares about pets, they, they know that the pet shouldn't rule the house. So we love our pets, but sometimes as Americans, we just love the dog so much, we, the dog becomes the leader. He becomes the alpha and everybody follows the, the unruly dog. And a, and a good dog trainer will, will try to re, reestablish that. Now we've, we're gonna have to reestablish who's alpha here. And so a good dog trainer will sometimes put that dog on his back and then hold the dog down. And the dog's just wiggling like, I, I, I've got to get up. You can't do this to me. But you hold them down long enough. You love the dog. You're not being abusive, but you're holding down. You're just establishing, no, I, I'm actually the leader here and you're not. Fasting can have the same approach in your life. When, when you fast biblically, and this is your purpose for the fast, is Lord, I, I just need to reestablish. You are Lord over me, over my body, over all my appetites. I'm gonna put this in the right order. This is a day of reset by your help. So we fast in times of distress. We fast in times of personal distress. How about this? We also can fast in times of decision. When we need God's direction. Ezra and the exiles were leaving Babylon on their way to Jerusalem and Ezra declared a fast. Here's the reason, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him from a safe, for a safe journey for us, our little ones and all our possessions. So we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter and he listened to our entreaty. So there will be critical moments in your life where you think, we are at a fork in the road or I see that fork coming up. I don't wanna miss your will. And so Lord, certainly I'm going to pray, but I need to dedicate more time and intensity to this time of prayer. So I'm going to seek you. I'm going to set it aside. Not going to brag about it. Not people aren't going to know, but we're just going to, I got to pull aside because I can't miss your will. I'm going to seek you God with greater intensity in this day of fasting and prayer. I want to hear you with greater clarity as I pull aside and spend more time with you. As I, as I increase this time with you during this time that I might be attentive to your will. This is what the church did in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14, around the time where they were selecting elders in the churches, it says this, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. When else might you and I feel led to fast? Also at times of dedication and rededication. Now we look at the life of Jesus and did, we find it noteworthy that Jesus fasted for 40 days at the beginning of his public ministry. 
What a fast. Now for Jesus, there was no rededication because Jesus has only ever been dedicated, completely and wholly devoted. But here he was at the beginning of his public ministry, before it launched, he pulls aside 40 days of fasting in the wilderness with the Father. I am gonna be in the presence of the Father before, we, before this ministry launches out. And, in, and before this intense time of tempting by the evil one, he pulled aside into the presence of God. What, what a model for us. But you and I understand there'll be times, unlike Jesus, where I'm gonna to need to repent where I'm gonna to have to rededicate myself and fasting can be a key tool in that. Psalm 35, 13, I humbled my soul with fasting. Or how about this, David fasted after his sin with Bathsheba and he was confronted, he repented with fasting. Or Daniel fasted and prayed for God to forgive the sins of the people. Or in the city of Nineveh, after Jonah preached them, the people repented with fasting. And so we can fast at a time like that. And then this, we can fast at times of spiritual dryness. Bill Bright, the founder of, of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, he died in 2003, and he taught a good bit about fasting, and his words are helpful here. He said this, my major reason for fasting is for personal revival. But he continues, it's for personal revival, revival for our nation, for the world, and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. He went on to say this, a renewed closeness with God and a greater sensitivity to spiritual things are usually the results of a fast. So today, could you use a renewed closeness with God? Would you like to have greater sensitivity to spiritual things? Bill Bright would say that that's what I often found when I would pull aside for time of prayer and fasting. Bright also said this, your motive in fasting must be to glorify God, not to have an emotional experience, not to attain personal happiness. When your motives are right, God will honor your seeking heart and bless your time with him in a very special way. He also said this, fasting is not just the denying yourself food, it's exchanging the needs of the physical body for those of the spiritual. Long times of prayer and reading God's word will be very essential if you're to enter into a more intimate communion with God. Now let's close with this, how might I fast? What would it look like if I were to fast sometime this week or next week or whenever the Lord leads? Well, there are several types of fasts listed in scripture. First of all, there's a total fast. This is the normal one where you say, I'm not, I'm not gonna eat food today or for whatever time period you set, I'm not gonna eat food. I will drink liquid, so I'll drink juice or I'll drink coffee, whatever, I'm gonna drink drinks, but I won't eat food, total fast. Then there are partial fasts where someone says, well, I, I, maybe you're a medical condition. I have to eat, but I'm not gonna eat certain things. So maybe like that Daniel fast, I'm gonna only eat vegetables today and drink water, but I'm gonna be aware when I make these choices that I, this is a day set aside to the Lord to seek his face. And so a partial fast. There is an absolute fast in the Bible. This is pretty rare and pretty extreme. No food, no water for a very short period of time. We see in the Bible individual fasts, and that's what we've been talking about today, but there are also all those group fasts. We see these in the Bible, places like Acts 9, Acts 13, Acts 14, where a group of Christians say, hey, let's fast and pray for the salvation of people in South Asia, for example. Let's, let's do this together. So what would it look like if you fasted? First of all, you're gonna ask God, Lord, do you want me to fast? Is this something you want me to do? And, and, and if so, when would you want me to do it? So you sense, yes, I should fast and pray about this this thing that's concerning you. And then you set the day and you usually will think about what, what's a good day coming up 
when I could do this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose a day when I know I'm going to have to physically exert a lot that day. Or, or if I were a student and I got a big exam that day, I would not pick that day. But, but you want a day where I, I can fast and pray that day. I think that would be a day I could do this. And during that day, I think I can take the time I would have been eating and I can spend that time in the word, or at least my mind can be heavenward during this day. I would pick a day like that. And then simply enjoy intimacy with the Lord. Here's the cool thing about it when you're doing it. It's like the secret you and God have. Nobody else knows. You're just trying to keep it under the radar. It's just kind of, kind of fun in that sense that God, you and I know what's going on today, seeking you, spending time with you. And I'm doing this for a purpose and I'm doing this with prayer. And of course, when you fast, you're gonna wanna spend the time in prayer. And you wanna spend more time in the word. It wouldn't make any sense to have a fast where I'm gonna not eat food, but I'm gonna binge watch everything I can on YouTube and on Netflix. I'm gonna fill my mind with the world while I'm not eating. That would not fulfill the purpose. Listen, it's always, the context of fasting is always prayer. More time in his presence, more fervency in prayer. So here's my exhortation to us today. That you would add fasting now to your spiritual toolbox. That you would say, yeah, I, I know that's there now. I know that's biblical. I know that's New Testament. I can see that God will reward it. And I hope today you say, I, I think I actually need that at some intervals in your life as the spirit prompts you that you'll think, yes, that's something I can employ in my spiritual life. Let's hunger and thirst for God more than any other thing in our lives. I love how Jesus said it, John 4, 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then this final word here, hey, let's let go of all hypocrisy in our lives. Here Jesus has belabored the point. Don't be a hypocrite in your giving. Don't be a hypocrite in your praying. Don't be a hypocrite in your fasting. And so here's a chance for us to examine ourselves. Is there any faking in my life at all? If so, have to repent of that. Is there any part of my spiritual life that I'm doing this to impress other people? Jesus said, you gotta repent of that. If there's any part of my life where I'm trying to fool somebody else, I want them to think that I'm spiritual when I'm really not. I wanna act like I have a heart for God, but I really don't. Jesus said, you need to repent of that. Jesus calls for worship in spirit and in truth. We must be genuine. Let's pray together.